Gary mentioned that uh, Pastor Phil was in Greene County where, where I served first when I left this church in 1982 to go into the ministry. And uh, at that time there were four, uh, Gary. Actually, uh, and I, was, I learned rather quickly that four churches are a lot easier to serve than three because with three churches, you go to all of them each Sunday. With four, they only go to two at a time, or two a Sunday. And of course, now that charge is down to two and so you, those churches are not real close together. <laughs> you, uh, you finish one service and you, you rush out and get in the car right quick and drive that crooked little road up uh, that follows along South River and you get to this beautiful church. And, uh, and that's where Phil will be. Uh, actually, he's there now. I hope <laughs> that he's there now. Uh, join with me in a word of prayer as we prepare hearts and minds. Lord God, as we read from your holy scriptures once again, as we ponder the meaning, we come to you in humility, praying that anything that we think or say or do this day and the rest of our lives will be, will be pleasing to you and will be blessings to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Our preaching text this morning comes out of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. That's an important verse. It's proper for us to come this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He is the Beloved. Amen. And all God's people said, This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, to say that uh, everything was going well in the uh, land of Judah in the first century, that when Jesus and, and John were there, uh, would be a tantamount to saying things are going well now, uh, where we are. Uh, there always seems to be problems <laughs> afoot. Uh, this little sliver of land was located on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it occurs at the intersection of Europe and Asia and Africa. And it's where two great religions, Judaism and Christianity, both arose. Uh, the land had a, a tumultuous history, still does. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's a crossroads of sorts for religion and culture, for commerce. And yeah, even in those days, 
for politics. The Jewish people, though, understood themselves to be a theocracy, and that simply means that they understood themselves to be literally subject only to God, ruled by God's law as articulated primarily by the law of Moses. In ancient times, though, this area around uh, uh, Judea uh, was intermittently occupied by its more powerful neighbors, uh, one after another, uh, nations you would, you would recognize, Egypt and Persia and, and Babylon and Assyria, and, and in the time of Jesus, of course, the Roman Empire was occupying the land. And it was indeed a dark time, especially for those who looked for their protection from God. But in the midst of all that darkness, they seemed always to have hope. And that hope was fueled primarily because they had the prophets of old. And the prophets of old had told them that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming, and this Savior would free them from their oppressors. And at last, the chains would be tossed off. Latter-day prophets came and went as well, each offering promises that never seemed to come to fruition. Still, the people held out hope for a savior. Enter John the Baptist, who set up shot on the Jordan River where he preached uh, about repentance and returning to God. Now, this is not anything that the people hadn't heard before, but John was different. He was different physically. He was a person of the people, rough character, apparently. And, uh, and John uh, had a magnetism about him. He, he drew people to him, and people came by, by the scores to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And then one day, then one day, some of the religious folks showed up. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, folks who didn't appreciate having someone they saw as just some wacky lay preacher who purported to be speaking for God. They knew that was their job. Uh, and they didn't appreciate having him out there. But John, of course, had words of comfort for them? Well, not so much. He looked out and he said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee the wrath? Who told you to come out here? You don't belong here. If you want to be saved, you have to repent like everybody else. Go on back home. Turn your life around and then come back and we'll talk. Well, that's not exactly what John said, but that's the gist of it. And while John was in the middle of his rant, who walks up but Jesus? And Jesus walks right up to his face and he looks at him and he said, John, I want you to baptize me. And that, that surprised John. 
might have embarrassed him a little bit as well because he knew who Jesus was, you see. He had already told the people there that, that uh, he said, I, I, I baptize with water for repentance, but there's one coming after me who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals in. He knew that the one of which he spoke was none other than his cousin that he knew from birth. Well, basically, his cousin Jesus. And so he looked at Jesus and he said, no, I can't do that. I can't baptize you. In fact, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus was hard to argue with. He persisted. And finally, John did, in fact, baptize him. And uh, it left scholars and theologians ever since to, to say why in the world did he do that because he didn't have anything to repent of. Uh, why would he submit to this baptism? Most everybody agrees now though that what Jesus was really doing is standing in solidarity with us when he was baptized. And true to his divine nature, Jesus offered us that day a gracious gift. He offered us the example of selfless love and he offered us a way to enter into a covenant with God, sealed by his baptism and ours. Now, being a bit of a sacramentalist, it's language like that that brings goosebumps. I, I can't talk about the sacraments without getting goosebumps. Uh, it, it's just the way it is. Jesus offers the gift of baptism as an entry point into the holy covenant with God, and he offers it not because we deserve it, but he offers it through his own righteousness, knowing full well that our righteousness is never going to be good enough. And he connects with us in that way. Wow. There was something else going on that day, too. We read about it. When he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and alighted on him, on Jesus. And a voice came down from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. Two other gospel writers say he added another thing. He said, listen to him. Pay attention to him. Something's happening here. So baptism, which was a common thing, by the way, uh, but Christian baptism, Jesus kind of changed it all. Christian baptism at its inception is a reminder first of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God and the Spirit of God is upon him. More than that, though, baptism reminds us that because of what Jesus did, we can remember who we are in that relationship. Did you happen to see the movie Lion King? Came out about 25 years ago. They re-released it, but I never saw the re-release. I don't, I just doubt it can be better than the old one. Uh, 
Uh, but, but I love that movie because there's so much symbolism in it. It's a nice story, but it's a lot of symbolism in there too. Uh, it, the movie begins with the newborn cub, Simba, and he's taken uh, from, from his parents' arms, I, I assume, and he's lifted up by Rafiki. Now, Rafiki is a baboon. We might look at that and say, oh, he put something on his head and he lifted him up. That sounds like baptism. It does to me too. But if you're thinking about any particular semblance between that baboon and one of our pastors, uh, either Gary or Phil, it, it's probably wrong uh, because Rafiki, you see, is old and, and he's wise and, and that would be me. So, uh, so I identify, I identify with Rafiki. Uh, and because he was the son of Mufasa, the king, uh, all the other animals knew that he was going to be a king too. Uh, but life took a turn for him when he was, a, I don't know, adolescent, we'll say, cub. And uh, his father was killed through the treachery of his uh, uncle Scar. And Scar convinced uh, Simba that it was his fault and sent him out into the wilderness. Mm. So this baptized king got sent out into the wilderness. That sound familiar? And he hung out in the wilderness with common folk. Uh, there were two in particular. He hung out with Pumbaa, uh, who is a warthog, and, uh, and the other one is Timon, uh, who is a meerkat. And, uh, and he's survived out there in the wilderness with them eating grubs, not exactly lion food. Uh, but hey, Hakuta Matata. Remember that? Hakuna Matata. Do you know what it means in, in Swahili? Somebody does. What does it mean? No worries. Hakuna Matata. And so there they are hanging out, and he knows that things back home are, are not going all that well. He knows that Scar has run the, the, the kingdom in the ground. He knows that there's a lot of, 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 of anger, and there's a lot of want, there's a lot of injustice, there's a lot of, of meanness, treachery going on back home. Uh, but hey, that's not my problem. I'm out here in the wilderness. Hakuna Matata. No worries. Let somebody else deal with it. Not my problem. But then one day, Rafiki came to see him, and he burst the bubble a bit. He took Simba by the hand and a, a paw, whatever he took him by, and he led him to the water. To the water, he led them, led him. And he asked him to look in the water and see what he saw. And, and Simba looked in the water and saw his reflection. He said, that's me. And, and Rafiki said, no, that's not you. That's your father. That's your father. And, and then there was a vision of his father appearing in the sky. And a voice rang down from on high. Symbolism? Wow. A voice came down from on high and said, Simba, you have forgotten me. 
remember who you are. You're better than this. Remember. Now on one level, Rafiki is just telling him to pull it out of his memory banks and say, oh, uh, one time back in the past somewhere somebody lifted me up. No, it's more than that. Mufasa is begging his son not just to go through the motions of recalling, but reappropriating something that happened in the past to make it real in his own life in his current experience and put his life in order and pull his life together and become the Lion King that he was born to be, the one he was declared to be when he was lifted up by Rafiki. Now for me, that is a perfect illustration of what happens when we remember our baptism. That's what this day is about. The sacraments are all about remembering. The sacrament of Holy Communion, bless you by the way. The sacrament of Holy Communion calls us to remember that we have a place at the table. To remember that we have been included in the family of God, not again because we deserve it and we're so wonderful, but because of what God did through Jesus Christ and invited us into. And through our baptism, we remember how we got there. How was it that we came to be invited? We are named in our baptism, we are claimed and we are spirit blessed. Named and claimed and spirit blessed. So remembering our baptism invites us to look inside of ourselves and see what we have become and to ask ourselves if this is what God intended. Not to beat ourselves up, but just to reflect on that. Is this what God intended? Now God knows these are dark times, these are dangerous times, these are contentious times. Pastor Gary told you about some of that. But we've, we've got no business wandering around in the wilderness like lost sheep who have no shepherd. We've got no business stumbling around in the dark as if the light of Christ didn't exist. We've got no business forgetting who Jesus is and through his grace who we are. And then thinking and speaking and acting in ways that, the, that are the antithesis of who Jesus is and who we are called to be. We got no business forgetting that, that, that Jesus came to tell us we no longer have to hate our neighbors or lie or cheat or steal or put folks down or all of that. 
and you could add to it. It's time for us to no longer eat grubs in the wilderness. We can't afford to sing Hakuna Batata. No worries. We got to go back home through our baptism. We've got to remember that sometime in the past, some pastor literally or figuratively applied water to our head and raised us up in baptism and declared to us in the name of Jesus Christ that we are the beloved of God. It's time for us to reclaim that and to look deep down inside of ourselves and to remember both the promises and the responsibilities inherited in our baptism in our relationship with each other, in our relationships, in our families, in our church, in our world, and especially our relationship with God. Because if we don't remember who we are, how in the world is anyone out there going to ever know who Jesus is? Remember who you are. You are a child of God, created in God's image, named and claimed and spirit-blessed to be the light of the world. Thanks be to God.